We're going to continue on in a series we're doing called An Unshakable Foundation. It's so important right now that we have a good solid foundation when everything is kind of shaken, but we're not. And, and, uh, and so we're taking some time to look through the scripture together. What I want to do is make sure you understand how the Bible ties together from beginning to end and that you see it as one big story. And there's some very important things that you need to see when you're reading the scripture that you sort of are looking through this, this idea, this lens, this filter. And one of the main, main things that, that sort of really helps tie it all together is the idea that God wants to dwell with his people. That's how he set it up in the beginning, and then we wanted to go our own way, which is another big thing that problem happens throughout. But throughout the scripture is God wanting to be with his people, and we see it in, in creation, and then we see it again in the tabernacle, and we see it at the temple, and we see it when Jesus comes, we see it with the Holy Spirit being poured out, and we see it in Revelation. It's all this picture of God wanting to dwell with his people. So last week we talked about creation a little bit and how God made things happen in the cosmic temple and that, that he put his image in the temple and we were the image. And then at the fall we lost our, it was stolen from us. The, you know, the enemy came and stole our identity, uh, our, the, the image, very image bearing that we were doing. He took that away from us and our authority over the planet. But then Jesus comes back and restores it and kind of jumped ahead there. But uh, I want to continue on in the story back there. And so today we're going to look at Exodus. And uh, Exodus is another important theme that runs throughout the scripture. So you need to see what happens. We'll read about the Exodus that happens there uh, today. But that theme runs throughout. You see it throughout the book of Judges, this idea of God rescuing his people. Um, We see it in Jesus, who is our Exodus. He comes and rescues us and delivers us from bondage and slavery and leads us to the promised land. That's kind of the theme that's going on, and we're going to look at that together. And I want you to think about it, too, as we're, we're kind of going through, that the Exodus is a transition time for the people of God. And transitions are tough. Uh, and, and try and relate it to the very situation we're in now. This is a transition of some sort. Uh, and back in... In the fascinating story we're going to look at, they're actually rescued from a very bad situation, the people of God, but they keep wanting to go back to it because it's familiar. And, and so there's this power at work uh, that we need to be aware of, and we're going to dig into that together. But in our time, even now, it's definitely a transition you know, if you're, if you're just longing for everything to go back the way it was, it's probably not ever going to be exactly like that. But what we look forward to is that what God's going to do is take all the stuff that the enemy wanted to do and he's going to turn it around for good. And so there's things coming that I think we hadn't even thought about before that are going to be so much better. And I've told you I'm kind of on tippy toes waiting for those things. Tippy toes. I sound like a kid when I... Anyway, uh, tiptoes. I don't know why it's tippy. <laughs> tiptoes. And... Uh, and so we're looking for that. So think about, you know, the idea of transition as we dig into our story and how important that is. And, and really the main thing you learn in transition is how to trust God. If you figure that out, the rest of it just sort of happens. But it's all about trusting God. We'll look at that. All right, bad joke time. Uh, do you ever notice how few DeLoreans you see on the road? I guess their owners only drive them from time to time. It's a Back to the Future reference. It's really funny. <laughs> Last week's winning lottery numbers were 1, 3, 5, 7, and 9. I mean, seriously, what are the odds? Math, math joke. 
This one is real bad. I probably shouldn't do it, but it's my personal favorite, which I don't know what that says of me. But my friend has the heart of a lion and a lifetime ban at the zoo. No? Alice, come rescue me. Sorry. That one just made me laugh and laugh. Nothing. Okay. Well, sorry. That's a really hard segue, honey. The, the zoo joke to this. But welcome. It's good to see you this morning. Okay, let's pray together as a family. Oh, wait. Happy birthday, Jen. <laughs> I don't have a cake for you because I gave them away to the little kids. But anyway, let's pray. Thank you, Father. Come, Holy Spirit. Come again, Lord, and, and fill our hearts and fill our minds. Father, bring peace and bring comfort. Father, we thank you that we can rest in the comfort of your love, Lord, knowing that you're always with us, that you never leave us, Father, and, and, and that your goodness, it's always chasing after us, Father. Just bless our time together, and as we learn about this unshakable foundation, Father, may it be planted in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, the text today, today is out of the book of Exodus, and it's chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. So Moses thought, yeah, I'm going to go over there and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land overflowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, excuse my pronunciation. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Blessed be the word of God. All right, so Exodus, the story of Exodus is about people leaving bondage and slavery and going to the promised land. And so let's hop right in. The first thing I want to talk about is God says, let my people go. Now, Alice just uh, read for us that, that powerful passage in Exodus 3 where, where God shows up in a burning bush. Um, and there's something interesting there that I'll just throw in no extra charge uh, for the day. But what you need to note is that, that see, Moses is looking around and he sees something going on that 
gets his attention. And he walks over to this bush that's on fire and yet not being consumed. And so he, he goes to check it out. And it's after he goes to check it out that God speaks to him. And I think there's something to that in our day-to-day lives. You know, we have a tendency to get very sort of focused in on our own lives. And we can start blocking out the things around us. We can start missing what's going on in the lives of people around us. You know, because they just become scenery and machinery in our lives. And yet, if we'll keep our eyes open and we'll ask God to really help us to see the way he sees, then then he will show us things. And as we move towards those things, that's when you really hear from God. And, and you sort of move into that part of life that's the cool part of life that he wants us to. So, so you walk through life, you know, looking, eyes open, trying to see what's going on around you, not just getting so shut down in your own story that you miss the bigger picture. So that's happening with that whole process. And he says in, in Exodus 3, what he's saying to them is, I want you to go to Pharaoh. Well, let's look quickly at the account when, when they do go to Pharaoh. And this is in Exodus 5. And let me read this passage to you. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. You know, I used to read that and I think maybe that was like a ruse to sort of find an escape. You know, but the more I think about that particular verse... That's the heart of God. See, God wants to set his people free so that he can dwell with them. And he wants to take them out of this place of darkness and bring them in, even if it's the desert, but as long as he's there, it's going to be okay. Because that's always God. He's always trying to find a place and a way to dwell with his people. And And Pharaoh says, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. And then they said, well, the God of the Hebrews is met with us now. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. And then Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now numerous, and you're stopping them from working. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and overseers in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw. But require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They're lazy. That's why they're crying out. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. And so, fascinating story that's going on. What you need to see here is that Pharaoh, who thinks he's a god himself, and, and all of the false gods in Egypt, and, and you know, when I say false gods, these are the powers and principalities and stuff that we read about in the New Testament. They're, they're, they're the, the, the forces of evil and darkness that exist in the world. That's what's happening there in Egypt. And in Egypt, People don't count. Um, All that matters is work and production and performance. That's that whole system of darkness. See, it's uh, people lose their value, their worth, their dignity. They don't. They're just about what they can do and if they can perform or not. And and Pharaoh believes that. And Pharaoh believes that's what his false gods want as well. They want production. And Moses comes along and says, "Well, our God wants us to come out so we can have a little feast. We're going to have a festival, a party in that situation." And you know, uh, Pharaoh can't buy that. He says, no, that's not how it works. Gods don't care about people. Gods don't do festivals or parties. Gods want work. Gods want production. You're just lazy. And so we're going to pile more work on you. And so that whole thing with the straw is they needed straw to make bricks. And they used to be provided with straw. 
Now they were going to have to go and get their own straw and still make the same number of bricks. It's just more work, more crushing, more we don't care about you, all of that being piled on them in this story. So that's what it looks like in Egypt. It's all about your work. It's all about performance. And everything becomes focused on production and and working, and everything is viewed in that sense. That's how that whole sort of life works that's the filter instead of the filter that we have where it's about God and it's about love and God wanting to dwell with us and all that that means it's all about what you can do and that's it and that's all that matters and what you can't do then you're no good for anything so so in the burning bush here God has entered the story and he says let my people go Uh, people weren't meant to live in that environment they weren't created to live like that they were created for relationship we were created for relationship with God and with one another and and so people are more than commodities and that's how God is entering into the story there and then it goes on and the second thing that you need to know about Exodus is God says I brought you out of the land of Egypt now, I, I skipped over a big chunk of the Exodus story because we don't have time to cover it all. Because if I really went through the scripture, this is, that's all we would, in, you know, in this story, we would do this story until Jesus comes back. And we need to have a few other topics along the way uh, because you get bored with me after a while. So let me tell you what I skipped over was how God, uh, because Pharaoh won't let his people go, God comes in and there's these series of plagues, these, these ten plagues that happen, and each one is really, is God demonstrating that he's God and all these false gods aren't. And each sort of false power, the darkness power, has sort of an area that they put themselves over, and God defeats them in that area. That's what's happening in each one of the plagues. Ultimately defeating even death itself. And, and finally Pharaoh says, fine, get them out of here, and the people of God go, and they, uh, you know, they get backed up to the Red Sea. You know the story. And then Pharaoh changes his mind, comes after him with his army. But God parts the sea, brings his people safely to the other side. The sea crashes over the Egyptian army, and they're dealt with. And now the people of God are free. But everything is different. And, and understand, they've left everything. Nothing is the same as it was just a, a short period of time before. Everything is different. Now they're in a desert. And they can't take care of themselves in the desert, uh, and, and they start to get a little antsy. But God continues to show them that he's God, and because he, he wants him, them to learn to trust him. So he starts providing for them everything they need, everything they need. He provides for them water in a desert, which is pretty significant, so they can see that he's God. Then he provides like this, the best bread, apparently. Have you ever, are you looking forward to tasting some manna? I am. Yeah, it's got to taste like cake. Yeah, so you think. I don't know. But maybe, unless people don't like cake, it tastes like what you think the best bread should ever taste like. That's manna. And then he provides them quail and he takes care of them in all sorts of ways. But they're constantly complaining and wanting to go back because unfortunately there's a pull to that old way of doing things. And we need to be aware of that because the same pull still exists today. Wanting to drag us into that false place where it's not about relationship but it's about performance and it's about work but God has released them and set them free and then he's going to have a conversation with Moses uh, and uh, he's called Moses up to Mount Sinai which he would do from time to time now I have a funny way of thinking that I always feel like God said oi vey moishi come on up let's chat I don't know why I think that but that's in my head <laughs> moishi come on Let's hang out. And what he's going to do is he's going to speak to him 
in this instance, um, about these things that we call the Ten Commandments. And the scripture, they're, they're, they'd be better called the Ten Words, because that's what he does. And th- there's a relationship that you need to see here when in, in creation, when God was speaking things into happening and speaking the, the temple into being, all that he did, he spoke ten times. And that ordered creation. God's going to speak ten times now to order community. That's what's happening with these ten words, these ten commandments. But he starts each thing, that whole idea of the Ten Commandments are started with this. God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. So you have to see the entire thing in that context. That's what the heart of God was. God could have started it with anything. I'm the God who loves you. I'm the, I'm the God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm the God who created everything, but he didn't. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I want you to know that you matter, that you count, that I created you for relationship, and I want to dwell with you and I want to be in relationship with you and then he begins to speak to them these ten commandments you also need to see that they were the commandments were given to a people who had already been set free they'd already been delivered they'd already been saved if you would and and they weren't how they were to earn any of that that was already given to them by God God was going to do that like God does for us in Jesus so they were never meant to be a rule thing I've told you that we like rules. That's why we fall back to rules. Just tell me the rules and I'll do that. But then we look for loopholes and it's a big mess. What the Ten Commandments really gave to the people of Israel was identity again. Because they were going to be completely different than any nation that was around them. And they were going to commune, it, they were going to commune together based on love. And, and see, that's what those ten words are. And if you look at them, you can see it's very clear. The first three are about loving God. The last six are about loving others. And the fourth one, it's about loving yourself. Because the fourth one's about rest. And, and see, that makes you know that you have value. It's not all work and performance. That's why rest is so important. That's the old way of doing things. And until you sort of settle that one and figure that one out and learn to rest in God, you, you'll never really love God the way you're supposed to, and you'll never love others the way you're supposed to. It gets all twisted up in the process. And so, so God gave his people identity, again, in these ten words. Until when? Until Jesus comes back. Because I told you last week, when Jesus comes back, he restores our identity and image. That's why Jesus can say it's been fulfilled, these ten words, because I fulfilled it. I, I bring you identity again, image back, image bearers. And the thing is, in 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 cooperating with the Holy Spirit and yielding the Holy Spirit, he takes those sort of ten things and he makes them much deeper. You're not looking for loopholes. You're, you're, you're not, you, it's not about what can I get away with. See, that's what happens when you're following rules. You're, looking, you're always trying to figure out how I can get away with things. But yielding to the Holy Spirit and the renewed mind, it's about being changed so that we actually live out this life that God has called us to on this journey. And so this, that fascinating conversation takes place and these, uh, these ten things are given under that lens of I'm the one who rescued you. I brought you out of slavery and bondage. Don't go back to those things even though there's a pull to do that. And then he makes this point. It's very important. He says, don't ever have any other gods before me. Don't allow yourself to be fooled and to be pulled back into those areas of darkness. That, that area, those evil that evil controls said you need to make make sure that you keep me first exodus 20 verse 1 
and following. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. Why? Again, because we're the image of God. We carry the image of God. We don't, you, you don't need to make it anything else. You, 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 you are supposed to be and bear the image of God. And don't bow down to them and worship them, he says. It's about me. And so he makes this very clear. And the very first thing that he sets out, no other gods before me. And, and so we need to be aware of the conflict. If, if we, these, these powers of darkness are always going to try and pull us away. And yet God wants us to remember who we are, who we're created to be, what he's done for us. Now as believers, what he's done for us in Christ. Image restored, identity restored, vocation restored. Um, what matters is relationship with God and with one another. And it always needs to be at the forefront of our lives. Don't let yourself become just a commodity of work and performance. Because you're more than that. And see, if you, if you don't take that in, we can't have authentic relationships with God or with other people. If we don't sort of settle in who we are in Him and what He's done. Because if you, if you have other gods before Him, what you end trying to do then is, is you sort of try and use God to accomplish what you want. And, and you can tell that sort of, in, in, even in the way that you pray sometimes, if that's getting out of, you know, it's all about what you want and all those other things instead of the, the bigger picture. And also, it, we can't have authentic relationship with one another because people are sort of one of two things for us. Either they're a nuisance. No one has ever had someone be a nuisance, right? Or you just look at them as someone that you can sort of use to get to what you want. And see, that's not authentic. Because it takes away their value and their dignity. So, so we're to be people who understand that we're God's people and that our value and our dignity and our worth are all found in Him. And then we treat others like that so that we can have this authentic relationship. And how amazing is it that God constantly pursues us for relationship even though we always are going in the other direction. We, we constantly rebel against the amazing goodness of God. And, and yet He... He created us for relationship and he pursues us throughout the scripture in making that happen. And we need to see that story in all of these things that go on. And so God has spoken to them uh, so that they would be a light to the nations, making a difference in the world around them, that that they would actually, the way that they would live would attract other people to God and, and that they would come, people would come and know him in that fashion. So again, he's given them identity and vocation once again. Uh, they'll continue to mess that up just like we do. But it's all part of the deal. But, you know, from today's message, let me say this. That if you can remember it like this, this is how I like to remember it. God isn't looking for your bricks. He's looking for you. That's what matters to God. Not about what you can do. Not about your performance. Not only, it's all about you. That's what God is looking for. And then next week, we're going to take some of this idea of the story, and we're going to move a little further ahead in Exodus to this amazing conversation that God and Moses have. And again, I like thinking about those conversations because it goes in my head funny. But uh, he's going he's to call Moses up to the mountain again, and uh, he's going to start to talk to them about the tabernacle, which we'll talk about. That Then the people rebel while they're there. And I love this thing because and, and God says to Moses, your people have done something that they shouldn't have done. And Moses was, my people, no, your people. And there's something in that dialogue 
that you need to see because there's something in the heart of prayer there. And, and the reality of who God is and how he wants us to relate to him because he created us for relationship that's so important that we get. So that's what's coming next week, but that's enough for this week. Um, let me say this to all of you watching online, all of you here. All of this starts when we decide to follow Jesus all in. When we ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of our lives. And I know many, many of you have done that already. But if you haven't, it starts with a prayer. And the prayer is really simple because God's done all the hard work for us at the cross. The prayer is just realizing we need a Savior and then just saying, God, will you forgive me of all my sin? And Jesus, will you come into my heart and my life and be my Lord and Savior? And, and if you've prayed that prayer, then, then you're in. And if you prayed it just now, uh, that's a really amazing thing. Best decision you could ever make in doing that. And, and so I want to know if you've done that. So we've, we came up with this little system so I can sort of celebrate with you. I get, a, I get a notice when this happens. So if you'll text that word HEART, H-E-A-R-T, to that number, 305-745-7513, I, I, I find out. And then I can celebrate with you. And we'll send you a little email back and a text back about what, what you can do uh, next on your journey. But that's very important. That's significant. That's really what this is all about. Joining into the story. Uh, this amazing story of God that he's given to us. And let me thank everybody again for your amazing generosity during the, this time. And uh, many of you figured out how to give electronically. And those options are up there. Or, or mail in your offering. Or if you're here, there's offering boxes here, here, and there. On your way out. And um, outreach-wise, you know, we did 28 outreaches. And then we, we took a little break. We're, we've got another one in the works now. We're going to do one in the beginning of August. And we're going to do one just for back-to-school supplies. And uh, we found a place where we can get backpacks and supplies all loaded in. Uh, it's going to be a great start for kids. So I'm, we're going to invest in 300 of those. And then give them away to the kids who need them. Uh, we'll do a drive-through one Saturday morning. And we'll give those out to the kids in the community. I don't know when school's going to get back open. But they'll have the stuff for whenever it does or if they're going to be at home. So we're going to do that as a church, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And then we have some ideas for the months ahead about how we'll continue to be a blessing to our community. It's just a big part of what we need to do. So there's that. And here's the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Thanks for joining online. We'll see you soon. Remember, as you're leaving here, please put your masks up and head out these doors, and they'll be open for you so you don't have to touch anything. And don't bunch up there. Try and keep that six feet in there. So if you need to wait a moment to let some people go, that's cool. But uh, be safe. God bless you guys. We'll see you soon. Thanks for coming. watching today's service from Keys Vineyard Community Church. Make sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.